I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says, if Godzilla did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. Voltaire. Peter, that that's what that is what happened. It's literally the plot. Of that's one literally of what happened. <laughs> they go, you know what would be really good right now? A Godzilla. <laughs> well, I'm saying also the plot of reality. Oh yeah, Godzilla did not exist, and we did as a culture, or specifically one person, invented him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I would, I would really. The we is very, very global. Ah, uh, you know what? If we could take credit for landing on the moon, <laughs> defeating the Nazis, I think like we as a culture invented Godzilla. Got it. So you're saying because of the bombing at a Bikini Atoll? We did. Yeah, yeah well, we definitely did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is I the collective way. One one of those I'm little willing like to take no credit for Godzilla if it means I get off the hook for Bikini Atoll. I uh, for you know this is such an obvious point, but one that I've heard for the first time like a couple years ago, and it did like the fucking they live glasses to me that they go uh, it was when when all the people the idiots were fighting against critical race theory, and they're like, so how come it could be we landed on the moon, but it's never we're responsible for slavery? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, why are we never? Why is it never we for the bad shit America's done? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. because it's it's um. Supposed to be about a radical uh, acceptance of other people's guilt. Ah, uh, got it. Not your own. Yeah, we're part of the we're part of the heroes. Uh, but where we love to watch uh, uh, a very collective we, uh, and uh, and yeah, we we talk about movies usually once a week, uh, and we do we do months. They're theme months, and uh, and and there if we remember we compare and contrast. We're in our. I want to say sixth week of our 10 week series on the films of Godzilla. You know him. He's big. He's green. But what's in his heart? Uh, turns out a nuclear reactor that's going to explode and kill everyone. Um, <laughs> we're doing our, it's our second part of the, the Hisei series, which is the second Godzilla series made by uh, Toho Studios. Uh, and it covers uh, Godzilla, the Return of Godzilla Knight from 1984 to Godzilla vs. Destroya in 1995. So an 11-year period in in Japan. In the United States, they're released over a longer period because the last five movies uh, that were released in Japan between 1991 and 1995 didn't come out until 1998 to 1999 to coincide with the Roland Emmerich 
masterpiece Godzilla, um, which we're somehow not covering. Uh, not because we don't think it's fantastic, but because why? What are we going to do an episode on the Mona Lisa? Like, only so we can't talk about art, Peter. The, uh, yeah, so we're we're doing the Heisei series. Wait for me there. Yeah, <laughs> just not going to talk about art. Yeah, we're not going to talk about art. Uh, so today we're doing uh, King Kong, or sorry, not, that's a left turn. We're doing Godzilla versus. For a that you sent me the wrong list. And I was like, <laughs> we're doing, oh, I no. specifically did not watch anything with King Kong. Uh, there is a king, but it's King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're doing Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which follows the the movie we did last week, uh, uh, Godzilla versus Biollante. Then we're 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 skipping the three in the middle, which is Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Godzilla 2 and Godzilla versus Space Godzilla to get to the ending of the series, which was Godzilla versus Destroya, which um, was advertised as they're going to kill off Godzilla. Uh, they did kill off Godzilla in the first Godzilla movie. That's worth They noting. hoped that they did give away the ending. They gave away the ending. They're like, we're going to fucking kill Godzilla. Can you imagine if like, Avengers Endgame was like, we're killing Iron Man? <laughs> gonna die um, but part of the reason they were doing it is because at that point they had sold some rights for uh, for Columbia Pictures in the United States and Roland Emmerich to make their version and they kind of wanted to take a break from the Godzilla movies and not confuse them and take a little bit of a pause and once we'll talk about this I think next week once uh, that movie was such a fucking disaster and a lot of people hated the design of Godzilla they quickly started a new series called the Millennium Series uh, that we'll talk about next Next week. Uh, but yeah, Peter, this I mentioned this is actually where the Heisei series from a overall box office success perspective uh, starts to become big. They uh, the the return of Godzilla was uh, was 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 not well received by audiences. Uh, you know, it, it felt it was definitely an attempt to return to the seriousness of Godzilla. The Heisei series, as we talked about last week, is really the 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 main signifiers is that Godzilla is always a threat of some sort, uh, even when he is saving. Um, um, Tokyo or Japan from larger threats. He's a force of nature. He is not their friend. He is not their ally as he became later in the show show a series. And so God, the return of Godzilla was really meant to erase essentially 30 years of post Godzilla 1954 movies and, and kind of reboot uh, the series with more seriousness. Um, Godzilla versus Biollante immediately uh, throws away any semblance of seriousness to uh, while still uh, uh, retaining, I think, the allegory that Godzilla films at their height try to set out to do uh, around uh, the dangers of weapons and technology, but made a really fun adventure movie. That was also a terribly unsuccessful film. Uh, and they almost didn't make another one until they were they decided that they wanted to give it one more try uh A, trying to err a little bit less on the gory, pustule darkness of Godzilla versus Biollante. They didn't want to make it necessarily kid-friendly, but they wanted to make it more audience-accessible. And from this point on, Toho has a much firmer hand through the Heisei series of a little bit of control, whereas in Biollante, they let the director Omari kind of do whatever he wanted. Um, and then also they wanted to kind of reintroduce the other characters that Godzilla fans were looking forward to seeing with, you know, better budgets, better effects and that kind of thing, which is Mothra, Rodan, Mechagodzilla and that kind of stuff. So the next three movies really do that. In this movie, we get King, uh, King Ghidorah. In the next movie, we get Mothra. 
uh, in the next movie, we get Mechagodzilla and Rodan, and then uh, it's not till the last two movies that they go back to kind of introducing uh, new monsters uh, through it. So uh, we can start a little bit with uh, with. Uh, so I know, uh, Peter, you were pretty fond of the mo- two movies last week. I've said the Heisei series as a as a whole is really my favorite of the Godzilla Toho series. Uh, saying saying the Reiwa series feels a little bit cheating because it's just Shin Godzilla, but Shin Godzilla def- that Reiwa series so far has the has the best success rate of a hundred percent. But just because I really like the, the, the consistency of character, I like that it feels uh, serialized without being boring serialized, uh, and I like that every movie really focuses on Godzilla as a threat. And again, the costumes never look better. Like, I just – I really love the series. Uh, what did you think of both uh, King Ghidorah, but all, which really goes back into Showa-era silliness in a, from a plot perspective and, um, and destroy it just from a – are, are you still enjoying watching all these Godzilla movies? Oh, absolutely. And it was weirdly refreshing to go back to that show at Your Silliness in King Ghidorah. Um, though I think that so far in the Heisei series, I like King Ghidorah less than the first two movies. Um, the Destroya is insanely good. Like, that's like, a, that is probably like a top three or top five Godzilla movie. 100%. Um, yeah, it's, it's top so five. It's so fucking me, good. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the fights are. The fights are on a level where I'm like, am, am I going to go back to some of the old Showa ones and feel like they're kind of like too wiggly? Like too... Oh, yeah. At the beginning when it's the smaller ones, you're like, okay, wait a sec. Yeah. It's... it's it's The, the fights are incredible. And um, I would say... It is nice to have such a tonal variety in the four we've watched, where the first one feels a return of Godzilla, I should say, feels like a fairly traditional blockbuster. Like yep. it feels somewhat westernized, actually, to me. It feels like it has some Spielberg DNA, where it's it's like Close Encounters DNA almost, where it's about like competent people trying to react to scenarios and working together to to um, face up face uh, um, you know sur- seemingly insurmountable odds. And then Biollante goes into like anime territory, right? Like it's it's yeah. wild and globe trotting, and has psychic kids and mutant and mutant plants, and it it's like a very like I don't know if the term gory is quite applicable, but gory and yeah, like, the, the 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 fights with Godzilla versus Biollante, like it feels like pieces. It's definitely gory, like a Gremlins movie. Yes, yes. It's it's gory. It's just not red gory. It's yeah. it's yellow and blue and and green gory. Um, and then uh, King Ghidorah. Yeah, it's a return of the silliness with like the extremely convoluted plots. Like they do so much legwork. <laughs> Just to justify. There is so much plot in that movie that also has the funniest cheats of all time. It is. It is. <laughs> they also, like, in this series so far, they've been like, in the series that I've seen so far, they've been like, you know, space aliens that look like humans would be way too corny. Instead, let's have um, humans from a future United Earth that are trying to take Japan down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> and they're basically aliens, right? They're from a far-flung future. They have crazy technology and time-traveling ships. They have almost no sympathy for humanity as it exists in the present day. Um, they're basically aliens. It's basically yeah. the plot of uh, Astro Monster in, in certain ways. Um, yeah. And, uh, but instead, they're like, no, no, no. It would be cheesy for them to be actually aliens. 
<laughs> so they do time travelers. Well, so that gets into a little bit about like why they did such a convoluted plot. So the first, so Godzilla versus Biolanti was the most expensive Godzilla movie at, at made. They did cut down the budget. I think you feel that. We talked a little bit last week about like. I actually watched um, – I, I have seen Versus Mechagodzilla 2 very recently. I ended up watching that with my kids for some reason like two years ago. Uh, so that one's really like sticks in my mind. And then I watched Godzilla versus Mothra and like really – and then, you know, Destroya as well um, as, part of, as, part of, as part of this discussion. And it really stuck out to me that like, oh, the difference between like this legitimately rules Godzilla fights and this is yeah this is fun Godzilla fights is like how how much effort there are in the models how much effort there is in like comp, uh, compositing different shots within that and how much they try to disguise the fact that they're shooting these things like in a fucking jet hangar with a painted sky and like Ghidorah is really something where they like the budget of like we can't go outside as much we can't do as much of lighting effects let's just do like 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 let's just fucking light everything at full blast at all times and have them shoot within this hangar and like it's still good I love versus King King Ghidorah um but you like Watching it back to back with Biolanti, you can very much see like, oh, this is this is the difference really between like this fucking looks amazing and this looks fun. Yeah, it feels like a retreat in a sense um, yeah. because it was consciously an effort to go back to like what was working before. But what's funny is you, you talking about me reading some of the drama around the creators being concerned about the Showa era getting into too much of the kitty like corniness yeah um and then like by the end of the series like the last two mecha godzilla movies which i like love love um uh they are like they have a in the show at least among the showa series they have godzilla getting bloodied and parts getting ripped off of mecha godzilla like it's it does have a sense of of consequence on the models yeah um and one of the reasons that the Heisei series so far has been so so fun is that uh, I'd say in terms of model work, uh, in terms of the actual physical models, the vehicles and stuff are, are obviously an improvement. The buildings are, it's a mixed bag. On average, it's a much higher bar. But yeah. um, nothing tops like the castle in King, God, King Kong. Um, yeah. Nothing tops that. But like... The average building just looks much better and crumbles way better in these movies. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, the the biggest improvement is that there's a sense of impact on the suits that connects you with the damage being done. And when Godzilla, there's a, in, sometimes in the Showa series, there's a, there's moments where Godzilla seems to lay down because that's what dramatically is supposed to happen not yeah. that he just got his ass beat so bad like they're both beating the shit out of each other in this it's like if Godzilla gets lays down it's because uh he got bloodlet so bad in the previous action and he got fucking laser blasted so bad in the face in the previous action that you're like yeah man it's probably gonna just take a beat um Whereas in the Showa movies, like to go back to the wrestling thing, we're just going to keep touching on and touching on. Um, in the Showa era, like sometimes, sometimes Godzilla just 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 kind of take a spell, or King Kong just kind of is like, eh, forget it, and just kind of walks away from a fight. <laughs> in the way that like would happen in a wrestling match, where like, well, yeah, dramatically, like we're you know halfway to a commercial break, so this would be the good time for. <laughs> 
you to, you know, maybe like take your lickens so that people can see you get back up. Like people want to see Godzilla get back up after getting his ass ass handed to him, right? Yeah, you're you're that's a good call. We talk so much about how these these the the fights in the Showa era a lot of times feel like wrestling matches where first the 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 bad guy, you know, wins and then the good guy comes back for revenge and there's you know, there's happiness when they do a good move and hurt the other person. And and I, these don't. I, and these don't feel like it throughout. Even the ones, Peter, that you, you, you're missing as part of, like, this um, overview. Like, they, it feels like two monsters crashing into each other. And sometimes, you know, that depending on the monster design, the way it's shot, it feels better than others. But it's not meant to be like, yeah, like like two wrestlers, you know, doing a match uh, with with a lot of spectacle for for the audience, and you know, I think watching Biolanti and King Ghidorah so close to each other it definitely provides a very interesting point of comparison because, like, they're directed by the same person, they're edited by the same person, um, the cinematographer is different, but otherwise, there's a ton of consistency between those two movies, with the exception of like a trying to make a movie that's a little more accessible from an audience perspective and has more fantastical elements. Um, and then also wanting to, you know, again, uh, tap into trends that were really popular at the time, which is actually is a good segue into like the making of the movie. So we talked about Biolanti not being very successful. Do you know what was huge in Japan at in 1989? That actually beat Biolanti at the box office. No, what? Back to the Future Part Two. I had I was thinking of Japanese movies. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the that's the intrusion, right? Is that Zemeckis? I guess the Spielberg model of of blockbuster coming in and, and being huge international hits that have like impact to the point where you could wear a Marty McFly costume in Japan and people would know who you're talking about. Well, exactly, and so like you know, it was a little more high adventure. These 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 American Spielberg Zemeckis type things that are more high adventure, more fantastical are starting to gain foothold in in Japan. And so Back to Future 2 was a huge hit and like overshadowed Godzilla versus Biolanti. So besides like trying to remove some of the not not like the darkness, but like a, a little bit more of the um, convoluted James Bondian plot and return to more fantastical and sci-fi and recognizable monsters is really how we got King Ghidorah, like they're they're doing a time. I mean, they're they're legitimately doing. This is not like hearsay or conjecture. They legitimately are doing time travel because the last Godzilla movie was beat by a time travel movie at the box office, and you know they're bringing in the most recognizable villain as a way to like really shore up the fact that we need this one to be a success if we're going to keep making these and there's other little touches too like right like you know um the term they had there's a terminator in this movie um (laughs) and 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 like they they really are trying to you know do a lot of things that they think are going to be incredibly popular with the audience and while this wasn't like the level of success that like you know even something like Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, or uh, or Invasion of the Astro Monster was in the 60s by comparison, like by ticket sales and things like that. This was a much bigger success for them to be able to continue the franchise and, and especially for the next two movies, go, oh, we just need to do that again. We need to take a 
a character someone loves and we need to reinvent what does that look like in the Heisei series uh, as opposed to the Showa series. And so that's how we got uh, versus King Ghidorah. I, the other anecdote, I've actually told it on the show before, but it, uh, because it's so funny to me um, and something that I've, I've continued to think about over the years. So it's funny that we're doing the movie that inspired an anecdote I've told probably more than once on this show where Peter, I was a sophomore in, um, high school and I had this great history teacher um, called Miss, or called <laughs> yeah we did, we called him Mr. Noble because that was his name <laughs> specifically his last he name. went by the nickname Mr. Noble Mr. Noble uh, but uh, he uh, you know he was probably like the best version of a high school history teacher but he he had been a veteran he was an older gentleman in like the late 90s and um, when we were learning about World War II I had recently seen this movie because um, it didn't come out to the United States until 1998, so this would have been like 1999 um, or, or t- maybe 2000. And he, um, no, it would have been 1999. Um, and he, uh, I was talking. It was the fr- this was the first movie. There's a part like so they go back in time to World War II, which we'll get to when we get to the plot. Um, but it was the first time I had ever seen like World War II Pacific theater portrayed where the Japanese soldiers were like human beings and the American soldiers were like idiotic monsters. Um, you know, because that was definitely not the representation that I had seen um, in all the World War II movies and other things that I had seen. And I, when we were talking about perspectives on the war, I, I mentioned this movie and I mentioned that, you know, it's interesting that like, I, I think I had a vision of like, even Japanese people, you know, from Japan thought they were terrible in World War II and agreed that we were the heroes. Because, again, I was raised on public school history propaganda as a kid uh, and thought that everyone agreed that America was the good guy. Um, and when I mentioned this, like, hey, you know, I've actually like I recently saw a Japanese film and it's interesting that, the, you know, their perspective is not that like uh, – um, American soldiers were were uniformly saints and good people and you know their perspective was that you know you know they were good people <laughs> and, and I I've like he's, he said something along the lines of I'm not quite sure what you're trying to say but I just want to like I, we're gonna move on <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah that was this that was this movie that that this was the first movie Peter where I watched it I'm like oh interesting do other countries have a different idea of what America is? uh man yeah i i um i mean it probably seems incredibly precious or something like the 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 idea that like but i mean i was 15 i had no idea that like the entire world didn't see the united states as a just a good guy like a good force i knew a lot about World War II before the age of 15 because I watched an insane amount of History Channel and then read books and such. And the thing is that um, History Channel has a conservative bent and I didn't realize that at the time. I took the word history to mean history. <laughs> um, and then uh, the a lot of the books that I was reading maybe didn't have conservative bents, but they were the books that sell well and end up on the New York Times list about World War II and are like exciting stories are about yeah. – U.S. soldiers 
ending up in Europe, missing their families, missing their families, being scared to die on another country's soil, and yet, um, you know, fighting through, uh, fighting through the chaos. And the focus, mostly in that era, um, the focus for a long time was away from the Pacific. Um, yeah. Because the Pacific Theater is where World War II got murky for, um, you could find a lot more uh, categories wherein uh, the U.S. acted uh, uh, more horrifyingly, uh, particularly if you look at what happened in the Philippines. Like, yeah. we, we were the bad guys in the Philippines. I oh, yeah. You. 100%. Um, the Japanese were also the bad guys, but you can have two bad guys. Um, but... Uh, the, the, the finding out about these things like you kind of had to like dig for them later and that's a big problem with like American history so having like any exposure to that before the age of 20 I think is is pretty yeah good. before before you hopefully take like a college level history class <laughs> I, I don't remember my first college level history class they're just like so this is yeah a lot of what you learned is bullshit uh, we lo- we read uh, democracy in America by uh, Tocqueville. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh like the the french like historian or whatever in the in the 18th century it's like we're gonna learn what america was like while it was happening from other countries perspectives <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell that we lost uh you can tell that we lost korea because they don't talk about it and you can tell that we lost vietnam because um when they do talk about it they talk about they talk about me and they talk about how vicious the Viet Cong were and how we were forced to resort to such depravity and like uh, our, our, our colonialist visions of how the war went are always, always tainted by, well, we didn't win because. Yeah, we're, <laughs> like, we're, or we we're sore winners we and so sore losers, which is a fun combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty horrifying. Uh, and then, so like, even when you are learning about like, um, the horrific shit we did in Vietnam, it's always parsed against. All right, well, now we're going to spend uh, three weeks talking about, uh, you know, various uh, domestic terror attacks within uh, Vietnam during this era. And then, like, we're going to balance out our one day on My Lai <laughs> with ten days on uh, what the what the Vietnamese were doing to each other. It's like, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of off topic. But the point is that, Ameri- like, uh, American colonialist perspectives are like so ingrained in our history books, even ones not written te- written in Texas, that um, we are very often like blinded to stuff like. Well, it's just it's just the de- yeah the dehumanization, right? Like it's if we if we're the good guys killing bad guys, we don't want to humanize the bad guys, and so yeah, and and that and kind of we, like the perspective of of any other involvement in any other war from other countries told through our perspective, which you know, like I said, was seeing this movie and seeing that there was I never seen a Japanese World War Two movie or one that even featured it, so like yeah. you know, yeah, the concept was was um was new to me and I was fascinated by it as opposed to thankfully I guess like um <laughs> what how dare how dare they it, America. It What's interesting yeah. to me is that like the director was accused of being um, anti-American, and he responded by being like, "No, I love America." But I, I think like the movie they made Back like, to the Future too. Yeah, I, yeah, the, the, the movie is the direct inspiration for this movie. The, the, <laughs> this movie is not anti-American. I wouldn't say. I would say recognizing that a war happened uh, is not necessarily anti-American. Having a one instance where the Japanese win a battle in a in a movie that might get seen by Western audiences is not anti-American. 
American. I will say, though. It was accused um, of Japanese nationalism because yes, so. the, because of the. And remember, I joke. I, well, I didn't joke, but I mentioned like there's some weird there is some weird stuff about like that Japan eventually buys Africa and Australia. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was going to be my next point, is that we're, in the past two movies, I was getting these hints of sort of, um, these movies becoming more nationalist uh, in a time when um, nationalism was kind of on the rise in Japan, and, and people were feeling more of a sense of patriotic duty, and they came with a lot of a lot of the same things that nationalism comes with in, in other countries, xenophobia, fear of outsiders, um, Japan first style policies, you know, um, and, uh, you know, uh, trying to push back uh, against um, Western influence, not because they uh, were sick of uh, Americans being stationed in Okinawa and, and uh, causing horrific issues uh, or Americans having war installations in Japanese waters, none of that, uh, but because we should have <laughs> big <laughs> big military presence there. We should have the big ships. The the uh, Japanese Defense Force should be, be much larger. And I was getting those hints in the past two movies and I called out in the last episode. And here it kind of comes home in a way that I, I think actually registered as a controversy. Um, yeah. At least in among Western audiences, because Western audiences are like, "Hey, you can't say that you won one battle." <laughs> like it's so dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, it it, it definitely feels like it's not nuanced. Like the real nuance there is that it's about it's about the movie's about nationalism. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so I mean, the plot of the movie is that there's the Earth Force is basically unable to stop. Like, also, like, they're unable to stop Japan in the future because Japan is so powerful they've outlawed nuclear weapons, which also is this funny thing of, like, we just had a nuclear weapon. We could really take them out, but they've outlawed it and we're out of luck. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they go back in time to – again, they, they are the, the world government. They do want Japan to be successful but not so successful, so – their goal is to flatten all of Japan except Tokyo in 1991 and then rebuild it, help rebuild it in a way that ends up um, not let it get out of line too much. And again, there's, there's not even an implication that Japan conquered or became like they're, they're an empire through, it seems like, acquisition, <laughs> like Louisiana Purchase style. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't really want to get into what that, what the parts, what that means. It's a throwaway line, but uh, but that's the thing is nationalism is is uh, we we're such a, a, a strong uh, and leading force in the international community that we actually need to step in and uh, enforce our belief systems onto other sovereign countries because they just you know they their people want us to be there right it's their evil governments that are keeping us out of the way yeah this also this movie from a time travel perspective has I think. Time travel movies always get a little bit uh, like, what is your idea of continuity? Like, how does it work? And, you know, it's very hard to kind of – a lot of time tra travel movies are really about squaring the circle. Like, if you change something, you know, the grandfather paradox or um, who remembers what or, like, you know, has, like, explanations around it. This may be the only movie I've ever seen that just is like – yeah, it's, it's all of it. Whatever. Like everything, <laughs> everything happens at once because they 
they, uh, and we'll talk about this when we get into the plot more, but they go back in time to stop Godzilla from ever existing and instead create King Ghidorah. And then when they go back to the present, everyone knows who King Ghidorah is all of a sudden because obviously they've lived through a uh, last 40 years now that has featured King Ghidorah attacking instead of Godzilla, which is important. But also everyone still remembers Godzilla and that timeline. So it's it's I have never seen another time travel movie that's like, yeah, it's both. It's all of it. I don't know. Like they, they know the new thing. All the other stuff didn't happen, but they also remember all the other stuff that happened in the other timeline. <laughs> Must be very confusing for them. But yeah, everyone remembers both. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I, I find that fun. Like, I part of like this movie is definitely not. I think it's the lesser of the um, of of the of. I think I I think I enjoy it better than Return of Godzilla, even though I do really like Return of Godzilla. Um, and it's definitely the lesser between Destroya and Biolanti, but I do love its go for broke energy in a way that. I think you just I, I don't want to say like you couldn't do it nowadays, but I think audiences demand more more at least attempts to square the circle when it comes to time travel and science fiction elements that I think a lot of times bogs down movies. And I really like that this movie is is it likes the idea of time travel, but is very unconcerned with um, trying to make sure that audiences like understand specifically how its time travel functions. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, the scientist, sorry, the the author, the quote unquote dinosaur expert, because I don't think the word paleontologist was in vogue yet. Um, I mean, this is it must have been. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the uh, psychic come on this trip. Yeah. As far as I know, they do nothing. They even say, oh, they did all the work. Um, well, they're part of Godzilla Force. Why, why did they, why, why did they, why did they, if you're traveling back in time, why do you stop to pick up your enemies on the way? Why don't you just go back in time and get Godzilla? Yeah, why they ask for permission is very bizarre. <laughs> Like, you're right. There's no, it makes no sense, any of it. And the fact that if they took, they pluck Godzilla out and then replace him with a Ghidorah. Sorry, they replace him with uh, three. uh, Three little dragons. Do-rats. Yep, do-rats. Replace him with three little do-rats that become a Ghidorah over time in nuclear nuclear testing. Well, no, yeah, Um, because because we bombed Bikini Atoll. Yeah. Um, there's dinosaur there. You get a Godzilla. There's three, three fairy dragons. You get a everything is the same. There's yeah. no. There's not even the slightest butterfly effect. They uh, <laughs> there's not even the slightest butterfly effect. They just come back and they come out and they're just like, oh yeah, I guess um, that's the one element you switched. So uh, everything that Godzilla did, King Ghidorah did. In but the they also, rem- but they remember, everyone remembers that there was a timeline where Godzilla exists. Yeah, yeah, which I think would have an effect like um, uh, like in fucking the Dark uh, dark, the dark, uh, tower. Tower, dark Tower. Yeah, where, where he's got two timelines in his, Jake has two timelines in his head and it's driving Jake and insane. Roland. 
That's why yes. they're, they're both dying in uh, in the wastelands because they're they're going insane because they uh, they have to keep two the, versions of reality. Two versions of reality. Yeah, which is which is in some it, probably a better version of uh, probably a better definition of insane insanity than repeating whatever repeating uh, uh, the same, same action and expecting different results like that sort of pop yeah because that that's just like kind of that, that's actually how you test things yeah that's it's science actually yeah, it's a, that's um, actually a good thing probably a better uh, version of it is trying to uh, make two versions of reality coincide with one another. now imagine the whole world has the Roland Jake thing going on. They come back and it's just like fucking like Mad Max. <laughs> like everyone is a war boy. Um, yeah. But they're like, yeah, King Eater is attacking again. Yeah. <laughs> this is our life now. Uh, yeah. Well, well, we should let's, you know, we have we have more to talk about by way of setting up uh, Destroyer. So let's just get into it. Peter, you want to go talk about some Godzilla versus King G? It means yes. Very <laughs> <like>, tall. <laughs> I mean, him and Godzilla are the same height. <laughs> that that man's a giant. <laughs> Raymond, mom, did you, di- did you disrespect your mother again? <laughs> Ray's not letting me hang out with his wife. <laughs> He's too tall. If he starts running away with my wife, I can't stop him. Yeah, you should. Uh, so, Peter, do you do you want to do which one do you want to do? Uh, please give me the other one. Destroy ya. <laughs> give me destroy. Sure. So, in Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, we pick up right where we left off again. And funnily enough, Peter, this movie's so convoluted that essentially you can make the case that this does not feature one Godzilla all the way through. I mean, technically, it's like the same ancestor, but I mean, I. I think your concept of like when when life exists, life begins a nuclear implosion, gets a little bit uh, get murky because uh, if you remember the you end of Biolante, the dinosaur origin as like some sort of like set of embryos maybe that he's pulling from that he's mutating from, like it's almost like the dinosaur that Godzilla mutates from is like it's his parent. It's his, yeah, it's his fate. Uh, but there are differences. <laughs> yeah. we'll, 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 I mean, we'll get there. Um, but in the end of the last movie, uh, after his fight with Biolanti, Biolanti was made with anti, anti-nuclear cells. And that has kept him at bay in, uh, in the ocean. Uh, he has been, he is underneath the ocean, can't get out, everything good. People are excited. And all of a sudden... Um, it actually starts with a with a great little cold open where like it's like the year you know whatever twenty two oh four and like they're like panning the surface of like looks like the ocean and they you see King Ghidorah with his middle head missing and they're like yep that was from when Godzilla and King Ghidorah fought which uh, you know is a is a fun little like in meteorez like uh, opening um, but anyway so they. Um, they, uh, you're seeing Earth. Godzilla's doing fine. Nothing much is happening. But all of a sudden, uh, 
they're they're spotting UFOs. Um, they're also uh, they're they're starting to spot. Uh, UFOs that are landing, and there's a little bit of that, which really calls back to Invasion of the Astro Monster. And then separately, uh, there's a science fiction author, author named uh, Terasawa, who's writing a book about um, about monsters. Uh, and he learns that in the Marshall Islands and the Gilbert campaigns of the war, that there was um, there was reports of seeing uh, um, dinosaurs, essentially. Uh, and um, one of one of these one of these soldiers still alive is named uh, Shindu, and he confirms, "Yep, not only did he see God's uh, a dinosaur, um, but that dinosaur essentially saved him from getting from getting hurt." So he his so you have like these UFOs showing up, and also what's kind of like again this this happens in one of the show movies, Peter. It's a little odd at like this guy Shindu is like a social pariah in some ways because he insists he saw a dinosaur and everyone's like, bullshit, old man. It's like, this is a world where Godzilla exists. He's a combination. Of, he's like a if a Vietnam vet saw Bigfoot in, in Hanoi. <laughs> yeah. Except that if there is an even bigger foot who has been terrorizing <laughs> things for 30 years. Uh, this Shut is 100%. Up. In, this, Shut up, Grandpa. Isn't it's in uh, what's what's the one with the with the just the nor is it? It's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, right? Where there's that uh, the kind of dinosaur um, guy that um, that exists, or is it Terra? It might be Terra Mechagodzilla. I forget, but no, it's Terra Mechagodzilla. Because remember, there's there's the um, marine biologist who's like saw a dinosaur underwater and everyone's like are you fucking kidding a dinosaur <laughs> which it, which is <clears throat> this is after like 30 years of Godzilla showing up every year going hello everybody high five and fighting countless monsters and they're like whatever dude dinosaurs which are one gone of the, one of the advantages of the series is that someone can say hey there's a fucking UFO doing weird stuff out there and people go a UFO alright <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, exactly. <laughs> it is it is very silly, but yeah, you don't have to spend eight minutes being like. So are you telling me that the conspiracy theorists are correct? And then the movie spends eight minutes humoring the cynic. Like, no, just get to the part where the UFO. We know, yeah, we know it's true. So uh, steals Godzilla. So the the science fiction author he basically theorizes like Terasawa was like, hey, you know what makes sense? If there was, if we did a bunch of nuclear bomb testing. I bet that the Godzilla that we know, which, again, not the same Godzilla from the 1954 movie, um, the Godzilla that we know that reemerged in Return of Godzilla, that was actually like the, it, that the, there was a dinosaur that was on in Lagos, and that's a fun, you know essentially what happened. Um, and meanwhile, the UFO lands, and the visitors they find out are not aliens. Did you catch uh, Peter what the name of the of the people from the future are? What they call themselves? Uh, Earth Unification. No, that's the government they work for. But what they what they what they call themselves like as a uh, race? Uh, Germans. <laughs> Definitely some Germans in there. Uh, they're very they're very white and blonde and uh, bureaucratic. No, I did not catch uh, that. The Futurians. Oh, I would have written that down if I had caught that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Pretty good. Um, do you think they say it? In the present for them? 
Or do you think they say, <laughs> or do you think they call well, themselves the pres presentorians? Yeah, they're they're presentarians. <laughs> presentarians. Not to be confused with Presbyterians. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm a presentarian. I live in the present. But when <laughs> when time travel was invented, sometimes I'm a pastitarian, sometimes I'm a futuritarian. <laughs> but yeah, it's relative to the people you're visiting. Yeah. Because <laughs> Yeah, why don't you go back and say I'm a presentarian and you're all pastitarians? <laughs> like for me culturally, we call you pastitarians. Yeah, I'm from your future, so I'm a futuritarian. Well, wouldn't you just be like a time traveler? Mm, I don't think so. Mm, no thanks. Aren't you just a human? Aren't you just a guy? <laughs> Sir, I am not a guy. I am a future. It's 200 years. He wasn't stuck in a wormhole for 10,000 years, and now yeah. he has horns. He's 300 years. They see the thing, but like it's like 2303, I guess. Yeah, but that's not. there's not even time to evolve. They're still homo, homo sapiens, and they still are just like speaking the same old English. Uh, Actually, homo homo futurians. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's what's great is that so the member the uh, Terasawa is like starting to write this book, and this is where again like I just want to be clear. I do love this movie. This movie is incredibly silly, <laughs> um, and that's why I think it is funny when people say, "Oh, the Heisei series really returned to a more serious Godzilla." It's like I mean, kind of. <laughs> Like, series compared to the Showa series in I some say, aspects, but not 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 so serious this that they don't – so they travel back in time, 310 years, mind you, effectively. And the, the first thing they do is they hand this dude a finished copy of his book to prove that they're from the future. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, hey, we read your book and we know where Godzilla comes from, so – Hey, as long as we got, you know, hey, as long as we got this time machine, just just hang it out. Like, we're not using it. I mean, maybe what we could do if you're okay with it is go back in time. If you're game. What? If you're game. If you're game. It doesn't, it doesn't run on, like, bl blood of 1990s people. Like, they could just skip They could have just skipped stuff. all of this, yeah. And then have the psychic actually have, that's the other thing about the, the particular set of movies you chose. So, okay, so one quick point. Um... This movie is absolutely like Showa type silly. The other movies are way grimmer um, yeah. in a way that like I, I, I think exhibits a new age. I'm not sure if Space Godzilla or the other ones are are, are different. I haven't seen them. I, I don't think anything's as batshit like convoluted as this one. Um, I do think though that like you know there's I mean. Godzilla versus Mothra, there's also a Batra and like who's like the evil version of Mothra and there's old prophecies that they're of Batra. I think that's a I think that's an antibiotic I'm allergic to. Yeah, sulfa, Batra, and Mothra. <laughs> the three major antibiotics for liver failure. Um But uh they uh yeah, so I mean I, I do think and like there's a fire Rodan and a, a Mecha Godzilla, like I Space Godzilla is like kind of long and boring, but it, it is like, um, yeah, I, I I think that we have a return to Showa era plots, but not Showa era tone, if that makes sense within the next few movies. But here's what I'll say. The dinosaur expert gets to do nothing really except for talk about how there are other plesiosauruses that existed for a long time. Yeah. Make me question if it's socially acceptable to wear shorts to work as a professor. As a paleontologist? Um, 
as a paleontologist. I mean, obviously when you're out in the fields, but when you're in the lab? You never know when you're going to have... I mean, think about paleontologists. It's like lab, field, lab. It can be like that. You don't know where <laughs> you you're going. You never know when Dr. Hammond is going to... You got to dress for both. Yeah, you got to dress for the lab Dr. and Hammond. the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one. They hadn't invented the What if you got to go back in time to Lagos? <laughs> Did you have a zip-off era? Oh, yeah. I had a zip-off era. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of miss them. Especially now that, like, I, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I kind of miss them. I, I, the problem is, is that, like, they looked, they looked okay in short form and they looked incredibly zilly in pant form. <laughs> and also if you're doing short form theoretically you were walking around and you said this is too hot for i've got too much pants i've got too much pants. i really i, I, I could go for 50 percent less pants if i'm being honest <laughs> i need i need less pants but i also want to carry around two pairs of pants <laughs> two, two parts i'd like to carry 25 percent of my pants in this pocket and 25 percent of my pants in this pocket i That's wish the they thing. made that the other way where you could zip off and then like pull out and then you're just wearing the bottom half <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's like, the thing is you they have to be the cargo shorts version so you have somewhere to tuck it and then you've got like i don't know some sort of flotation device in your pants in the top of your thighs it was it was weird because when you had the pants version you just had this thick zipper around the knee and it's like i hope i don't have to kneel for any reason because i'll have to go to the hospital <laughs> whoops i fell and i broke my knee because i landed on a hard metal zipper <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I I want it I want it for so that was also in an era when men's shorts were expected to go basically below the knee, right? Oh yeah, so probably and you're now, zipping off at best thirty percent of your pants. <laughs> yes, you basically now, have they pants. were like pre capris, yeah, you know, the, like they weren't quite a capri, but they were getting there. You're you're basically getting pants that are if you like if you're far enough away, you're like hey. Did Aaron get the wrong size of pants at the store and he's trying to make it work? Like, oh, <laughs> never mind. They're shorts. But now, Aaron, I don't, I don't, I don't know how your summer's been going. I have, I've fully adjusted to the the five inch inseam. Um, so if I had that version of pants, it would be <laughs> essentially two of those tube dudes that are outside auto dealerships. Because it would be the entire length of my pants, essentially. Yeah, you're basically just zipping off the pants for like a speedo, right? <laughs> yeah, I might, I might as well just have shorts under the pants yeah. at that point. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever zip them off mid wear. Maybe, maybe once, like to That's show people I could do it. Like house, I either right? left the house with them in short forms or in pants form. Yes, I rarely had made such a bad decision that I had to pivot. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, I forgot I'm spending most of the day in this walk-in freezer. Why did I wear my oh, why did I wear my short version and leave my yeah. leave the rest of my pants at home? <laughs> it also comes back to the my my overall point, which is that if Indiana Jones didn't need cargo shorts, I you certainly don't. And if Cal They got Indiana Jones in the next movie, just FYI. I remember a lot of old prophecies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Second, There's an Indiana Jones. Yeah, and secondarily, we'll get there. And secondarily, yeah. 
if cowboys don't need <laughs> zip off shorts and they just wear their jeans, I, I'm assuming what you're doing I, during the day is just fine. I don't like that you're saying that Indiana Jones didn't wear cargo shorts as a choice as opposed to like that's like saying well you know indiana jones wasn't on his cell phone all the time like i don't think i don't think they existed <laughs> you know indiana jones wasn't on his ipod yeah, video yeah, like, brick breaker hey, hey you know kid you like star wars so much you've never seen han solo sit all day playing roblox what? the point is that han solo could fit sorry well han solo did have a lot of pockets the point is yeah, he had a pocket jones, vest yeah at the point he had cargo that, vest Cargo vest is actually way cooler. Cargo vest is just like a cool jacket for the hot Tatooine sun. I liked when um, I liked when people started uh, unapologetically wearing fanny packs again. I might literally bring one when I come visit you. I love wearing. Why not? They're great. I wore one to a, we had an eighties night and I had a um, at a for a company party a few years ago mm-hmm. and I uh, I got Maya a gold shiny one because her favorite one of her favorite band at the time Cuckoo Kangaroo wore them um, mm-hmm. and I wore it as part of my eighties like costume and uh, I loved it I kept my phone <laughs> way better than reaching into your back pocket all the time just keep it in the front I mean I keep it in the front it's more of a like a dick pack for me but yeah I <clears throat> I do um, side if I'm hiking. And right up front, if I'm just uh, being a door, just right up front. Well, yeah, don't, you want people to know what kind of man they're. You can, with. you can just, yeah, you can reach in and grab. So you know, none of this reaching into your back pocket, pulling out your license, just like it's right here, it's right yeah. here at an area that I grab the most. <laughs> <laughs> the the I uh, I got into them when we would travel, especially like traveling internationally. Oh yeah, you gotta have. Like, you need to have. Your passport, you need to have your wallet, you need to have your phone, you need to have, like, probably two sets of keys. You probably are carrying around, like, sunscreen and some other shit to, like, keep you going during the day. You might have hand sanitizer if you're traveling during the COVID era. Like, eventually, it's too much shit for pants. Yeah. And, like, again, like, you can't can't wear cargo shorts safely. You sit and, like, the stuff that you keep in your cargo section of the cargo shorts falls right out. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, when you're sitting and posing on top of, like... Other people's culture. You <laughs> <laughs> You're going to lose everything in those cargo shorts. <laughs> so anyways, the, the Futurians are like... Oh, sorry. While we're there. We're, yeah. Before we get into Futurians. We don't talk about the fact that in these four movies that I've seen so far, they introduced a psychic school in the, in the, in the yeah. um, last movie by Lante. Um, which, by the way, Biolante does sound like a, a. It sounds like a sexy Mexican wrestler, right? Um, Biolante. The. Uh, <laughs> it, so- it sounds like a Latin word. I'm sorry. I don't know how Not to the way that I say it, because I, I, we, we said it differently the entire time, and I don't know who's right, but I say Biolante. <laughs> <laughs> I say Biolante. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about it last week, but uh, just know that uh, that was that was the kayfabe going on. Uh, Psychic in these four movies, or sorry, three of the four movies, has nothing to do other than look at Godzilla and be sad that Godzilla is dying. <laughs> like the psychic, it's, the psychic's ability uh, in these movies is basic empathy. Yeah, I mean, I, she, I was expecting the psychic to talk to a, Godzilla. It's nice to have a consistent character, I think, yeah. through these. And I do like, like, you, 
she has a very like weird part in this. She has almost no part in Godzilla versus Mothra, and she takes in the last three movies, which also is where uh, Junior shows up first. She takes a bigger role, and kind of like I said, like she becomes more invested in the idea that like uh, Godzilla was born from violence, but his or its you know child was not, and so its child is just an animal. Um, you know, trying to like in any, you know, a young, a young version of a, a male. And so she, she takes a lot of interest in how to protect, um, Godzilla Jr. specifically. Um, and I, I, I really like that dynamic uh, that they have. It's true that they are like, oh, what if we bring a character back and she's in the Godzilla force or whatever they have. And so they're like, uh yeah, let's you why don't you come back and then we have our Android uh M M eleven and we're gonna you're you're like we'll just watch us. And they don't what's funny is they don't bring back the um what's his name? They don't bring back Shindo, the guy who had actually witnessed it, because they're like, Oh yeah, PS two people can't exist at the same time at the same two different you know the same person can't exist at the same time with another version of itself, can't do it. We're gonna bring the guy who writes the book. Uh, um, we're gonna bring Miki and the professor, <laughs> uh, and Gilligan, and everyone just get on, get on the ship. That'll be good. And they introduce them to the uh the little uh the Dorats, right? Do yeah, the Dorats, Dorats. They are Ewok gremlin bats they're so bad uh i mean in their in their do rat form <laughs> and and they're they're i mean they literally are in the movie for like i'm gonna say 15 seconds total screen time yeah uh they yeah they're just like oh cool they're little flying dragon friends the future's weird um anyway um, oh yeah the one of them makes a little joke they're like oh they're here for morale building anyways just kidding yeah and then they don't explain what they're there for yeah, um, and, and then like, they, they like leave them behind on the island. Everyone's like, are we leaving behind the Durath? They're like, just go. Just go <laughs> to the future. Um, the other thing that's funny during this is like – It's I like said, Mitt Romney with their the, the son that uh, left – that uh, Mitt Romney leaving their uh, family dog t- attached to the station wagon. Wasn't that the Huckabees? I don't know. Probably. All, all no, I think Huckabees – did Huckabee kids kill a dog? Yeah, I uh, like like sorry, con- like consciously kill. I think dog. so. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, I, I do. You're right because Mitt Romney, like, because the joke was, was that like accent. he was so inhuman. Like he's like, I don't know, put the dog on top with the rest of the luggage. It's an <laughs> accessory for us. Um, we're the Romneys. Um, so they go back. They do go back in time, and again, they 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 basically take Godzilla, um, who. So the whole point is that the dinosaur, the god, they call it the Godzillasaurus. Great name. Um, and they essentially are like, it dies through like protecting these Japanese soldiers. But the problem is they, they like, we're going to take its body and we're going to move it from Lagos where there's going to be nuclear tests in nine years. That's going to revive him and create Godzilla. Uh, we're going to move him to the Bering Strait where, you know, his body can just sink to the bottom of the ocean and that'll get rid of Godzilla. Like, that's their that's their whole thing. They leave the two rats behind very suspiciously. Uh, the other thing is this is where we get a little sense of the uh, American Navy. Peter, did you like or dislike the Spielberg joke? <laughs> at that point, Molly and I were cringing so hard at the the performances that I. It, it I told you, it's like they were. Surreality. It's like they were like. Uh, can you speak English? Literally, the only thing that matters. 
<laughs> and they speak English like they per they hired Australian actors and told them to do an imp- their impression of John Wayne. Yeah, speak like- phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they uh yeah, but the joke is that um the 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 when the time when the Futurians drive their ship, this American uh captain or whatever sees it and he's like, Holy shit a UFO, I gotta tell people and his his captain's like do not tell people. It will be crazy, but I'll tell you what, you can tell your son about it someday, Mr. Spielberg. So so stupid. Um but I love I mean it fits with what, what this movie's doing. Um so they go back and immediately they're like Hey, no one knows God we've never had a Godzilla attack, and then the city's under attack and they're like what is it? And some people run by and they're like, it's Ghidorah because um, the do rats being left behind when the explosions went out, the H-bomb testing, they made Ghidorah. So now Ghidorah, who is much more of a, a dangerous force of nature than Godzilla, is just doing, I guess, his like nightly light lunatic lightning strikes of the cities um, and really just, like you said, like destroying Tokyo and um, – you, they, you find out that the Futurians, this is all part of their plan, that essentially um, Japan has become too f- powerful in the future. There's no way to stop them. They don't want to kill everyone. What they do want is just to make Japan a part of the world government and and not the most powerful nation on Earth in, in 300 years. And they couldn't do that with Godzilla, who, while was destructive, wasn't like malevolent – and so they they replaced it with Ghidorah. Uh, so they start figuring out how they're gonna you know the the government and the professor and 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 Miki and everyone they're like how are we gonna stop this? And they're like should we essentially create another Godzilla? Could we do that somehow? And then in the funniest like uh, yada yada in in maybe movie history, they're like wait a second. What if I'm still Miki, Miki's like I still sense Godzilla. Um, that's kind of weird, right? And, uh, and they, <laughs> and, and so, like, they're like, well, where were they dropped again? The Bering Strait? Let's look on the news. And lo and behold, the news n- notes that at one point, there's some nuclear warheads that, uh, dropped into the Bering Strait and Godzilla merges right on to- time. This time, because it was um, modern day nuclear weapons, he's even bigger than he was before. It's just a giant monster and more angry and more incensed. And I do love Peter, the reaction from the Futurians when they're when Godzilla comes back. They're like, ah, man, I guess in this time you can't drop a dead body anywhere without being exposed to nuclear radiation. Because uh, it's <laughs> everywhere. Oh, well. Like, they really are like, drat, that didn't work. <laughs> no other, we well, yeah, do have a time machine, but no other plans. Um, <laughs> They're like, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, you still failed because um, you have a different monster here. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Godzilla is now angrier, bigger, and more powerful. It is, like I said before, that the, we never see Godzilla from the first two movies because he's underwater covered by the anti-nuclear bacteria. So, in essence, that Godzilla dies. This is a new one who's even bigger and angrier. And he, you know goes into Tokyo and rips the head, the middle head off of Ghidorah, killing him. Uh, and then now there's a bigger problem because even though they were trying to get Godzilla back to stop the Futurians and stop Ghidorah, this Godzilla is even more destructive than um, 
than everyone else. So there's all these different shades of like, you know, the, the, the Futurians are actually psyched because they're like, this wasn't exactly the plan, but great news. Uh, this was, this was kind of the plan. Um, and, uh, this also like the fight between Ghidorah and Godzilla is like the really one, the only time in the Heisei era where they do the, we're not going to be in a city and we're just going to be in that weird empty field that looks fake. Um, mm-hmm. I think like my biggest disappointment, the, the part of this movie that really stops it from even being like a nutball five star movie is just like, because of the lighting and the less of the budget, um, it's it's very surprising. It's the same uh, how, the same director, just because it feels like um, it feels like a big step down uh, by way of like some of the fight scenes, um, and also because Ghidorah was always a hard person to fight because they just are like um, they just kind of take it on the wires and crash it into the guy in the suit with Godzilla. Anyways, because we have a whole another movie to do. Um, so they eventually do stop the Futurians and they kill him. And Emmy, who we didn't talk about much, but she was from Japan. She was a Futurian, but had, was very conflicted and was also lied to by the by the German or whatever Futurians uh, about it. She decides, hey, I know what we can do. I can go back to the future and return with uh, take the dead body of Ghidorah, fashion some mecha future tech on it and bring it back to fight Godzilla. Um, and so that's what happens. Emmy comes back, brings Mecha King Ghidorah, which when I did see this when I was 15, Peter, I was pretty psyched about that. Um, it's still cool now. Um, and they, uh, King Ghidorah fights, um, uh, fights and, uh, that ends up sending, uh, Godzilla back to the bottom of, uh, of the ocean. Um, he still kills Mecha King Ghidorah, but he does swim away in the ocean never to be seen again until the next movie. Uh that that last shot of Godzilla just screaming <clears throat> in uh just screaming in anger or excitement, I don't know. Um in raw animal fury underwater is so rad. It, it's so um, good, yeah. Though it does beg a question, which is um if he's that mad does he not? Does did he like lose his map? He knows how to get back to Japan, right? <laughs> He's too mad, Peter. <laughs> like, did did they drop him in part of the ocean he doesn't recognize? <laughs> ah, there's like no landmarks in this part. You gotta pass the big rock. You take a ride. I'm fucked. Um, so so yeah so yeah we uh any other final like moments of of king gira before we move to destroya like i said it's Uh, it's definitely returning to the batshit insanity but we didn't even talk too much about the terminator that gets reprogrammed and is hunting people down but like if you i love how they set up the terminator as this big part of the movie and then she's like you know, if I just pretend to be evil again, all I can do is in- install a bunch of CD-ROMs instead. <laughs> she basically, the way to fix your Terminator is to open up their ear and uh, put six discs in him like you're installing an RPG on PC in the 90s. Yeah, you gotta you gotta reboot. Yeah. Oh, can you be um, a good Terminator? Beep, boop, boop, boop. I mean, he's like, technically that is what you, Skynet keeps doing. And the resistance, yeah. <laughs> right? They keep reprogramming Terminators. <laughs> but usually, it's it's not as um, it's not as, as it doesn't look like something I could do, right? Oh yeah, you could do this <laughs> if you had the right Encarta discs, Peter. I think you'd be fine. 
I have, I like, I, I'm pretty sure you could probably screw up getting the disc tray out on this thing and still be fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but because also her goal is to either like get this thing out of commission or make this thing friendly. So if she screws something up or puts a disc in backwards, regardless, this, this thing is not on murder mode anymore. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we, 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 oh, and I have a couple oh, more, a couple more thoughts. Yeah, go. One, uh, touching back on Mechagodzilla, um, Having control over King Ghidorah, they say, ha, but now we've got control over King Ghidorah. What does it fucking matter if King Ghidorah is doing exactly what you want to do by default? The default switch is fine. It's the same thing with Mechagodzilla. They were like, now we have control of Mechagodzilla in the in Well, they the find out, though, what happens, right? <laughs> it shocks him slightly when they lose control. Well, eventually people get attacked. It doesn't go great. Yeah, but it's it's so it's so funny when they're like they're like ah our plan's going according to plan. The thing is doing exactly what it was already doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Well, they do seem fine when Godzilla comes back and starts killing people too. Like, yeah, mind control. Yeah, yeah, mind control is a lot less um, uh, intimidating or scary when um, it's it'd be like if I mind controlled you into watching John Carpenter movies. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, I wasn't going to do this today, but it's not uncomfortable. <laughs> like, Aaron, you will play with your kids <laughs> and you will be online at 9 p.m. to talk about Godzilla movies with do me. Do some work. <laughs> um, and then um, the uh, another thing that's very funny and you can see the sort of kiddiness butting up against, uh, uh, you know, the... Kittiness butting up against the, the this movie trying to have higher stakes. I, I it's so funny when they do this in in movies where like they give the main characters guns, and then when the time comes to use the guns, the characters are like, ah, maybe we should wrestle instead. <laughs> like also the reason that lasers are in movies is because it's a more kid friendly way of shooting people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. There's no blood. It's not like it doesn't make this horrifying sound. Yeah, you can just you can just vanish and disappear if you need to. Like it's not tearing off flesh and needs to be dug out of you. Yeah, like that's and then you they give our two good guys lasers and they're face to face with the bad guys and they're like, you know what? Actually, we need our android Terminator guy to do the shooting here. It's just it's it's a trope that every time I'm watching a movie, I'm like. Yeah, like, I know you guys had a thing you wanted to get to, which was the bad guys getting blown up by Godzilla's nuclear breath. But if you're going to get there, I would suggest simply not writing a scene where the good guys immediately catch up with the bad guys <laughs> and then for no reason have their lasers taken away. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, and one thing that this is one last thing. One last thing. Um, Godzilla does something in this movie that I haven't seen before. So people are hiding underground as, as you're wont to do when your city is being uh, bombed, Godzilla attacked, um, you know, inclement weather. They go underground in, in, a, in a subway in Sapporo and Godzilla accidentally steps through a subway underground and then trips like he fell in a gopher hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he has this like dad like, God damn it, like fall where he's like trying to catch himself on his elbows on the way down. <laughs> It's uh, very America's Funniest Home Videos, uh, also incredibly badass because, like, I'm so used to the city above getting leveled. I'm not used to, like, an underground level getting le le leveled. 
Um, and you see like somebody running away as Godzilla's big fucking foot smashes through. It's so rad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie's sweaty as hell. Um, Harkening back to Showa though is is very charming. Um, and I like that the next movie well, is. Well, hold on. We're that- we're gonna get there. We gotta at least like pause through the next three movies. I'm not gonna get into details, okay. but yeah. So this movie was successful. They decided to make another one. They do Godzilla vs. Mothra again. We're really picking up right after. Godzilla's still in the ocean. Uh, Mothra, as I mentioned, really goes to the Indiana Jones well. There's an, an explorer. It basically like has a, almost a mini Raiders of the Lost Ark opening. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they find these prophecies of, 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 of a Mothra and a Batra, like two opposing forces that have existed. And um, the end of that movie has kind of Mothra saving the day by going out into space to remove like um i think batra's body or yeah before before bad things happen but you're really kind of picking up all these different threats which again is why watching all these through peter is a lot of fun it's really the only series that does this when we get to terror of mecha godzilla or sorry godzilla vs mecha godzilla 2 like there's rodan's there rodan has like stolen an egg and imprinted that makes godzilla's son so you know godzilla does not fuck there's a whole other weird scientific explanation why there's kind of a clone, a uh, younger, non-birth through, like, nuclear fire version of Godzilla. But also, like, you you know, the opening of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 is pretty cool because it shows, like, the wreck of the, – the divers go down to recover Mechagodzilla's body. And they take that tack and over the last couple of years have been building a way to – defend earth from godzilla with mecha godzilla so it's less of the nefarious like alien plot and more of a hey remember that future tech they left in king Ghidorah? we should use that uh, as a way to protect our sense self against godzilla um and then you have um uh, versus Space Godzilla, where Space Godzilla is born from some of the Biolanti cells that went up into space and Mothra cells and other things and made this monster intent on destroying people. At that point, Godzilla and Junior are on a place called Birth Island. Uh, that's the that's the only one of these that I, I think is just it, – I, I like it conceptually um, – it's just really – it's longer and it's boring and there's a lot of like island scenes. It is the one that I think if um, if Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah really harkens back to like Invasion of the Astro Monster Showa era, I do think Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla like harkens back too much to like Son of Godzilla, like kind of boring on Monster Island. But yeah, I like seeing monsters. So like it's still three stars, but it's not – it's not all that interesting. Now, Peter, the reason I'm kind of segueing to this is that you would think, you know, Godzilla vs. Destroy, as you'll say, really starts out with a with a bang. Uh, but they end peacefully on Birth Island um, with, with Godzilla and his child. Now, before we get into the plot, the other thing worth noting is that they initially announced Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 as the end of the Heisei series because Toho was not interested in competing with... Uh, with Columbia TriStar's American movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the comparison. It actually feels like I, I had trouble researching the why around it, Peter. Like, I'm not sure why they were so dead set on the idea, like, we are not releasing movies when uh, America is releasing Godzilla movies, even though obviously Toho selling the rights and giving the things. But 
They did that in that part of the reason why um, there was such a long space between Terror of Mechagodzilla and Return of Godzilla is that, you know, um, the Fred Decker scripted uh, Godzilla movie was in production for a couple years or attempt to get made. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want to compete against uh, a United States made Godzilla movie. And so they like that was one of the reasons that they weren't greenlighting Godzilla movies at the time. So they were they were almost going to end it in 1993. But then. Um, when Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, but then like there was delays in getting Godzilla made, and so they they essentially made two more movies before shutting it down. And knowing that they were shutting it down because production or work had actually finally started on the the American version of Godzilla, they made a big announcement that this was going to be the end of the Heisei series. It wasn't going to be like Terra of Mechagodzilla where it just faded out, and then they didn't make another one for nine years. Like this is the end with a bullet, and we are going to kill. Uh, Godzilla, and I think Peter, like rewatching this, I I, I just forgot. How, I mean, I this has always been. You you said this is probably would be in your top five Godzilla movies, even if you watch them all. It is in my top five Godzilla movies, and I have watched basically all of them. Um, it's so good, but it also just like as you'll take us through the plot, begins with this just completely insane bang. Yeah, yeah, it begins with. Um it, 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 Godzilla is is attacking. They use the word raid in this movie, which I like. Godzilla is raiding at night, um, and he has some sort of lava skin. His nuclear breath is different. It's not blue. It's like red. Yeah, he's got red eyes. He's going ape shit. Yeah. He feels bigger than normal, which he is. Um, the uh, the suit itself has these orange lights underneath it, and apparently it was like putting off gas. And we haven't talked. Oh yeah, it keeps really it keeps much. like there's there's gas and steam like coming off of him at all times. It's like he's on fire with lava. Yeah, and like uh, we haven't talked about this much uh, these past couple months, which is probably uh, horrifying. Um, but the the actor who was wearing the suit almost uh, like suff- he like almost suffocated or as- asphyxiated multiple times because of the gas in the suit and um, the fact that he was carrying around way way more weight when he was yeah, it was like two hundred forty two pounds. Which I don't know if you know that, Peter. That's a lot. I don't know how he took three steps, especially with these fucking light like 200 lights within the um orange lights within the suit to give that awesome lava effect the suit looks amazing um and uh godzilla looks chunkier like godzilla is full of nuclear waste he looks he he's he looks fuller um he's been he's been dining on some some nuclear plants i guess and uh he when he's raiding he is like way more vicious. It's almost like the original movie where it's like t- it's terrifying, but faster and yeah, because it's like it is like he is just like trying to destroy as much as possible. Yeah, and this sets off like an existential, you know, an existential uh, fight in the people of Japan who, because these movies are all in a very like kind of obvious chronology, have dealt with this like time and time again. Like this movie is more of a Japan trotting kind of movie because uh, in here, the past two, I think, are kind of Japan trotting um, because they kind of have to be. Um, well, and- because you can only destroy Tokyo, it's the uh, Tokyo proper so many yeah, times yeah. before there's no more buildings left. Well, and Miki is like, what the fuck is going on? Like they they were like getting to a point where not where God. Because so in Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, like Godz- Miki saves uh, Junior, and Godzilla like has a chance to destroy her and kind of like 
does he doesn't like to tip my hat to you, milady, but he he like there's a there's a recognition that this human saved something that's important to me, and like you're almost going back to you. All I think of all Godzilla movies, if they go on long enough, and sometimes it's just a couple movies, kind of tip towards like, yeah, but don't people like Godzilla? <laughs> like, isn't he kind of okay? And so that's where like the it, you're left with Space Godzilla. They're on Birth Island. Everything's generally okay, and Godzilla seems to have an awareness that humans are not a threat to him anymore. So to begin this movie with him, you know, just fucking raging and killing everyone and uh and Miki going back to to Birth Island for it to be gone um is a is a really like if you're I know I, I didn't I didn't make you watch all seven of these, Peter. <laughs> and he probably wouldn't have had time. But uh it, it is a really like, oh shit, what the fuck's going on from the last movie? I actually because I I mean I didn't rewatch Space Godzilla before this. I had to re I went and looked up the plots and I'm like, wait, did I miss something that they're picking up? From and, and no, as a matter of fact, they're picking up from the expectation that the last movie ended probably in the best place that Godzilla's been in all the the Hisei series, and now he is uh, worse than he's ever been. Yeah, and this movie is very much directly hearkening back to the original movie yeah. in uh, ways that are more direct than ever before. So, um they uh, – some of the main characters, um, there's a scientist making this sort of micro ox- – it doesn't make sense. He's making this like micro oxygen um, that he uh, thinks would change the world because it would make uh, things more efficient. Like uh, if fish uh, ingest this micro oxygen, they will grow bigger. And if humans can use smaller oxygen tanks, they can explore deeper and bigger places. Well, and the, the destruction of like some of the global warming stuff, they're like, hey – if fish need like if we if there's micro oxygen that we can put in like you have to worry less about pollution damaging ecosystems. Yeah, and it's very funny. Like an interviewer is basically asked the movie the the question that the audience is asking. Um, you're like, don't you think this could be misused? And then uh, the scientist, uh, Doctor Ijuin Ijuin. Um, says, I doubt humans would be foolish enough to use this as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> which is just such a funny, like, contrast to Dr. Sarazawa. Well, which they're, they're, I mean, we're World noting, War they're directly Japanese calling back to that. Like, yeah. they call that scientist on his bullshit. They're like, but hold on, hold on. They're like, walk me through. If you can shrink the size of oxygen cells, couldn't you eventually shrink it so small that you would, I don't know, destroy oxygen like what Sarazawa made? Yeah. And uh, this immediately sends up flares with uh, some of the scientific community, notably um, Dr. Yamane's ancestors. Yep. Um, So Dr. Yamane in the original, uh, they actually bring back the the, uh, actor who played uh, Emiko, his daughter. Yep. Um, She has like a moment of being like, hey, audience, I'm with you. This is fucked up. You know, Dr. Sarazawa, who I had a, a good close relationship with, I was engaged to, uh, he very much did not want uh, people doing oxygen destruction. Yeah. Um, gave his life. Maybe. So, yeah, don't fuck with oxygen. And now it seems like someone on TV is talking about building an oxygen destroyer, like they might be one step away from building an oxygen destroyer. And then he also has a, like, uh, a a fail grandson. Um, yeah, it's very funny that they don't just make him a scientist. They're like, I think it's to make him more relatable to. Yeah, because he just like is a Godzilla fan, and then he's, he's a Godzilla but, fan. But, who but has he, he is, yeah, he's the grandson of like 
of of yeah he's like hey i saw the news you're making oxygen destroyers i have a perspective they they add them to the team very quickly peter in the 90s if you want it dot com boom baby you want a job you just go say hey i want to be part of the godzilla task force (laughs) it's fine the g-force yeah um and not to be confused with the gerbil force um, I constantly was confused. I could not follow this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the G-Force after being gerbil-based eventually hired humans. I don't understand. Yeah. Get it together, um, Hollywood. <laughs> but And then he is like, he did bad on his exam, so he's not technically a science scientist. He's like a science fan, which like in an American context, I'm like, oh, so you're just bad at science? But in Japan, I understand like exams are like this whole cultural thing where like you can just be slotted for lower level jobs because you didn't um you had a rough uh you know you had you were you were depressed when you were 17 so you didn't focus enough on your exams okay your life is kind of held back a step like i understand exams in japan are a whole thing so this i think this sort of makes him uh maybe like the bart simpson of this movie where he's sort of a rebel a little bit like oh i didn't do well in my exams but that doesn't mean i'm stupid here I'm gonna be a scientist. I'm I'm a general fan of the dinosaur. Let me be a scientist. <laughs> you know, I'm a, <laughs> I guess pre Jurassic Park that would be less common, right? Like someone who's just like <laughs> actually studying dinosaurs and such. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, um, Godzilla is getting more destructive, and if they don't figure out something... Well, they they figure uh, out what's going on, though. Like, by this point, they're like, so Godzilla is essentially, like, he's powered by nuclear power, and his heart is essentially a massive nuclear reactor, and it's about to achieve an explosion and then a, a, a radiation meltdown, but... Godzilla is so much more powerful than a, a normal weapon. It essentially will create such a large explosion. It'll it'll like functionally create a fire vortex that destroys half the planet. Yeah, yeah, and um, the uh, yeah they have like a, a preview of what this would look like. This thermonuclear yeah. disaster yeah. where like all of Japan is engulfed in this like mushroom cloud. It's it's kind of a cool. I mean, it, it looks very like well, yeah, it's it's computer you know, graphic, but it's it's charming in like what it's it, doing. Yeah, I think it looks pretty cool because of the context that we're operating within. Um, and then yeah. at the same time, this oxygen destroyer somehow got out in the wild. Um, and then it somehow created oxygen destroyer crabs. No, no. So that's actually the fo- so as they're talking about what one of the things that's funny is that everyone's like, "Hey, this could be used as a weapon." It's like I don't think they're going to use my oxygen miniaturizer as a weapon. They're like, "What if you miniaturize it all the way to nothing?" I'm like, well, we're we're still a few years away from having that level of technology, but. Um, the second that Godzilla, they realize he's about to have a nuclear meltdown, they're like, hey, the only thing that ever destroyed a Godzilla before is the oxygen destroyer. So then they go to that scientist and they're like, hey, could you uh, – I know we were like being real dicks about it like literally 10 minutes ago. But could, any chance you could uh, destroy the oxygen? Like make it super small so it's destroyed? Could you do that with your technology? He's like, I'm not going to do that. The the they show a lot of scenes of the original like uh, Sarazawa and the and the oxygen destroyer too. Their take though, Peter, is that actually like 
uh, remember when we did Godzilla, I said it, it, they do find an interesting way to bring back like Sarazawa's concerns about using the oxygen destroyer and that effectively that when this happened, it created these like um, – they're these like f- these smaller creatures that basically learn to evolve in – like evolve in the vacuum of of not having oxygen. And, and they uh, – in the same way like we see like extremophiles that like – you know, evolve in a in a different like world that 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 essentially like because you know a little bit of like Jurassic Park life finds a way. There's these these smaller microscopic that got larger and evolved creatures that learn to evolve in the in the oxygen free wasteland of um of the area that Sarazawa uh poisoned effectively so it does have that. So what I said is is correct is that the oxygen destroyer created crabs. Yes. Uh, but not not the new one, the like the original one that killed the original Godzilla. Like yeah, it, the, yeah, the, the yeah. Heisei series, the one thing that like you've noticed, like it doesn't try to square the circle by like why things are happening at the same time that other people are talking about it. We saw that in uh, versus King Ghidorah, where it's like the second they're like, "Hey, could Godzilla come back?" They're like, "Oh, never mind, he is back because we thought of it, and now it's happening." And like that's the same thing here. Godzilla's, you know. Heart is blowing up, and then someone's inventing something that could be an oxygen destroyer. And then, as they start talking about like what Sarazawa would do with the oxygen destroyer at that, and whether they could use the oxygen destroyer to kill the new Godzilla that's all nuked out, at that same time, like the fallout from something sixty years ago emerges too. So it has very convenient timing. I I don't really care all that much, but like I can see why you would have thought it's the new one that creates the crabs because. Otherwise, it would be insane timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so these crabs are rad. They very much remind me of like the hammerheads from uh, BPRD, Hell on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, I would be pretty shocked if uh, that those were not a direct inspiration for at least some of the uh, BPRD um, kaiju. Yeah. Um, so uh, they are... Um, modestly sized and getting grower getting bigger and they also are at various various sizes when we first meet them because they're sucking up the oxygen and growing bigger and they're sort of yes and they're sort of um alien uh, xenomorph scale um and there's a whole aliens riff where like a marine team steps into like a darkened office building warehouse space and like lights them up um and then they get absolutely taken apart which is i think one of my favorite recurring cliche tropes in all of media particularly horror media is like super competent band of marines steps in and gets taken apart piece by piece um it's also heavy heavily featured in like the metal gear solid games um it's it's in all the alien movies essentially um it's 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 in predator 2 uh just in jason x there's a lot of there's a lot of movies where they they do this it's it's i love it very much where like they just have like gung-ho guys just getting their limbs torn off um and uh, these things are doing battle on like a small scale. And that's something that I really like about this movie that is kind of escalates it to like a five star movie for me is that we have a, a human size scale battle happening and that the Japanese government is responding in one way. And then we have the global Godzilla scale and they're responding with the Super X3, and the Super X3 is like using some techniques from before, some new techniques. Like it's it's, it's, it's basically trying up. to freeze and slow down 
oxygen or uh, Godzilla's uh, uh, detonation. Yeah, yeah. I think they've sort of. Uh, it's almost like they're admitting in this movie that like the Super X two is never the Super X three is never going to actually kill Godzilla, but what it can do is give them more breathing room to uh, do some other super science. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's pretty rad. The Super X three finally looks like a badass plane, um, as opposed to like a beetle that can fly. Yeah. Um, and I like that mix of scale, right? Like Marines on the floor and then like, you know, a, a, a plane like shooting laser shots at, at, at a massive, massive guy. He seems bigger than that. Well, and he's supposed to be. Now, it is worth noting, Peter, that like part of the thing of Godzilla versus King uh, Ghidorah is that now he is bigger than ever. And then you didn't see the three movies that reflect that scale. Um, we did we did skip over. There's a shot in King Ghidorah that is supposed to show how big he is where he walks with the cows in the foreground that I said is like just a great composite composite shot that I love so much that is like supposed to show him almost towering over a mountain that's close close by and like in the scale with the cows. Um, but he is supposed to be bigger from here on out because of um, that he was resurrected or he was basically built differently with modern nuclear weapons in the Bering Strait. So he is bigger in the next three movies, period. Yeah. And and so these these little things, these little crabbies eventually have the ability to join together into a bigger crab and sort of meaning that what Destroya, his form is like three forms almost. There's like the little xenomorphs, little xenomorphs. Then there's like a bipedal kind of kind of guy. And then there's like a demonic, massive bat wing version. Yeah, where Godzilla only comes up to like his shoulder. Yeah. And they kind of they kind of like play between the three because it's based on how how badly Destroya is losing the battle because Destroya will like. Um, get smashed down and then come back and reassemble into yeah. multiple multiple pieces, almost as if these are um, individual cells yeah. that make up a broad. Which I mean, again, it's it's, it's it's microcell organisms that have gotten bigger. Yeah, and um, these these fights rule. They are um, brutal. Like brutal. They're like, more brutal. Like, like, the Biolanti fights are brutal. This is like. It's more aggressive and it's more brutal because you have a Godzilla that's dying and like just tearing apart everything and like uh, um, basically a a microorganism that's been, you know, scaled up thousands of times that exists solely to kill Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. And the the um, having Junior involved is also very interesting because Junior lends a sense of scale, but also lends a sense of stakes, which I think impacts my emotional impact in the end. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get there in a second. But this fight is brutal. Um, there's a lot of slow-mo buildings collapsing, so you can really appreciate the models. And I was like, wait, why aren't why don't more of these movies have slow-mo in it? Like, does that does trying to do slow-mo make the the shots look terrible in some movies. I like. I, you, yeah. So like, the director. There's a shot. Uh, yeah, a couple. There's th- a shot of, of. There's a shot of 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 a uh, uh, destroyer jumping up out of frame or you know behind the frame, sort of jumping up and smashing a building as he's attacking Godzilla, and dust is coming out, and this building is crumbling between them in a way that feels incredibly realistic. And it's all in this like beautiful slow mo, and like he pounces on Junior, and 
Junior just like blows off some of his limbs and it's all like he kind of alternates between slow-mo and just like letting you really take in the chaos. Yeah. Uh, and you, the effects in this movie are fantastic. They did up the budget knowing it was the final one. The director of this movie um, also directed uh, Versus Mothra and Versus Mechagodzilla 2, which are both, again, very good entries in the series that, Peter, if you ever want to circle back, I would I would highly recommend those two. Um, but the budget, like, I really do think, Peter, having watched all these movies, that, like, what more budget means for a Godzilla movie is A – they get to shoot the water scenes of Godzilla moving through the water, not in the hangar water tank, but in, I think, some, like, outdoor facility. Because you can immediately tell between versus King Ghidorah and this one, and I, I watched them back-to-back, too. They're like, oh, that's the sun, and these helicopters are like they're somehow doing this composite outside, and Godzilla is moving through a real – uh, outdoor water system. Uh, water, you know, technically the ocean. I know, I doubt they plopped the Godzilla suit in the ocean. Maybe they did. I don't know. Um, they don't have to go as deep as Godzilla has to, but like you immediately notice that. And then almost all of the major fight scenes are at, at night too, whether it's the smaller aliens, whether it's the major things. And it just, it, it allows like with the way that they shoot model and pseudimation, like, the difference between night and day is night and day uh, with how good the fights look um, because it's, yeah, same models, same Godzilla suit, but being able to put spotlights everywhere and hide some of the, like, it tricks your brain more um, as opposed to, uh, and the other problem I think with the, with, with when they do the, the bright daylight scenes is that you're very clear. It's, it, it just feels more like the hangar model stuff, which is not, we talked about this in the early show episodes. Like the way they shoot those is amazing. All those shots of the giant hangar and the insane scale of model and, and cities they built is great to look at, but it, like your brain knows you're watching a, a, a guy in a suit trample through an amazing model playset because the lights don't make any sense. It's lit like a 60s era TV show and we're just lights everywhere. <laughs> Shadows are not allowed to exist in any capacity. And like even the King Ghidorah scenes that are at day feel like that from the, you know, a movie three years ago, but like the, having the whole last 40 minutes with explosions and fires and just this amazing pullback to these long cities and like uh, those long cityscape that just is amazing in its scale while spotlights and helicopters fly overhead. Like it, it's, a, it's fantastic. Like it's so good. Yeah. My brain at no point is like that's a model and like that's that's important for like overall uh just like um uh, I I'm not I'm not um I'm not impressed by the craft of the model making I'm impressed by the scene itself. Yeah 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 like it it feels like the shot construction is actually very specific to reach a specific effect whereas I can feel like sometimes in the Showa era I've talked about this before where it's like oh time to go to the wasteland and then there's just like a rocky craggy place and they kind of sets up a two shot where Godzilla wrestles and then there'll be a wide shot of you know Mothra flying away or 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 King Ghidorah flying away and then um back to the two shot when they smack into each other. Um, and 
with this, like it feels like actual shot construction. Like they're putting the camera, the camera feels more mobile around these sets in a way that like always should have been the deal. I don't know if like this, I don't know if the models previously didn't have a level of detail that allowed for them to shoot them from multiple angles. Um, or, you know, obviously it, it's the shot dozens of these movies, like it, it could be inconsistent, right? Um, but like, there's something about this where there's a specificity to each action that makes it feel more impactful than like pretty much any of the fights in the Showa era marking one or, you know, it goes nose to nose with a couple in the, in like Mecha Godzilla, I would say. Um, and that directness and that, that willingness to like pick up the camera and move and like, be a little bit more playful like it does feel like an epic finale in a way that like i was expecting this one to feel kind of cheap yeah or like i was expecting this one to have one really good fight at the end but instead kind of at like the halfway point maybe even maybe even a little bit before probably around the halfway point fights start and then fights don't really stop no like which is just tremendous because in the showa series i had grown to accept like okay we're gonna have a run in now all of the human plot is going to get solved and then we're going to have the fight at the end as a, a piece of candy for you know either making it through an interesting human plot or a v- very boring um kind of lame kitty saturday morning cartoon kind of uh sci-fi plot in here it's like it gets you into the action very directly Every shot with Godzilla is remarkable. Every single shot with Godzilla is remarkable. And every time you get to see um, Godzilla share the frame with anybody else or Junior share the frame with anybody else, you're legitimately marveling at their ability to capture the sense of scale and the sense of gravity. And, and a lot of that is just like, I think just like I was saying a second ago, it's like moving the camera Having using like low shots and using filmic techniques that sometimes yeah that aren't just like let's just a little let's, bit conservative yeah and it, because they're not like well we have to run we can't we can only do so many angles because he's going to run through and he's going to destroy this city like there seems to be again I think the where you feel the budget in these movies is they do less wide shots because they can destroy the model more than once they can set up new shots like they. The, you know, the budgets don't go to, like, we have more Godzilla suits or more monsters or more actors. It goes to how they're able to shoot the and make the models, how many models they can make, how um, and where and when they can shoot Godzilla scenes. And so, like, an up budget, you know, a higher budget. Like, you look at, like, the, the two biggest budgets for this, for the Heisei series is Biolanti and Destroya. And they have by far... Like, I think the best fights, the best uh, monster battles, like where, again, both are just brutal fights, <laughs> destroy it somehow even more. Uh, yeah, and we didn't talk too much about Junior. So Junior reemerges halfway through the movie and everyone thinks it's Godzilla and uh, Miki goes there because she's worried. And it's just like a lonely Godzilla that's grown much bigger than you if you'd seen the first uh, two movies featuring him, Peter. But he's not like Godzilla size yet. He's like more. He's because he, he, again, he's not. He's he's the spawn of the cells of Godzilla, but he wasn't exposed to nuclear radiation in the same way that like Godzilla's birth was. So it's like it's like a smaller version. It's like a, almost a cross between the dinosaur that we saw in uh, King Ghidorah and Godzilla. 
I just assumed that Anguirus ran off with Godzilla's wife. <laughs> you fuck my wife. <laughs> you fuck my wife, Anguirus. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so Godzilla goes to to like as part of these like grand scare. Godzilla Junior goes to this like grand scale thing, and he gets wrecked by Destroyer and killed almost immediately. And it really is like a very emotional scene and you have essentially like a giant monster dying in front of our eyes like literally like parts of him are are like are smoking and pulsating and he's just like dying the most violent death that a nuclear monster critter can uh and then he sees um he gets dropped like a sack of potatoes onto like a shopping yeah. mall and it kicks up a giant plume of dust. It's it's so it's rad. So uh, it's like it, it's it's sort of like if a cat is in a hoarder's home and accidentally steps on the wrong box of newspapers. Uh, just kind of like the ground just kind of caves in all around. Yeah, and then you have Godzilla, which at this point is essentially like a giant like picture like here's a guy who is just completely out of control on cocaine. And then you tell him that his son, in this case, a sentient bag of cocaine, has been killed and he's not able to get any more cocaine. He goes into a rage, which lends a a brutality to the fight. We've talked about how brutal it is. It's it's hard to describe. I mean, the fight fight goes on for like 15 minutes. So... it, we're not going like to. This, this like, is not, not the best medium movie. for us to talk about this. You know, two people crashing into each other and tearing off parts, and like Godzilla's covered in blood by the end, and like every. It's just it's so different than even the brutality of the Biolanti fights. But there is just a rage because, like, again, he is like he's literally melting down, and um, and he his son was just killed by this creature, so. Uh, this does feel a little bit like we're ending the series. You can fuck that costume. Yeah. Like, like, let's get, let's get the shit out. And there's a, um, there's a moment when, uh, I, I I don't know. I didn't notice it earlier, but, um, the, uh, uh, oxygen destroyer, um, the D destroyer, um, they're in close quarters battle, and it reminds me of, like, you know, when you actually see, like, two people, like, really, like, trying to kill each other, and, like, fish hook each other, and, like, go for eyes and shit. It's like that fight in Deadwood, um, that, like, fight in the street with Dan and whoever the the fucking rich guy's partner is. Like, they are going for eyes, they're going for limbs, they're trying to break fingers, like, anything to slow the other guy down long enough for you to actually just choke them to death. And... D pulls out this like laser lash and is just taking like laps out of his his flesh. Um and it's it's bloody as hell and it's really really rad and um D is kind of like destroy is kind of taken apart like piece by piece and it's really a huge step away. It's it's a step towards Biolante. Uh, and a, a wave of, from the wrestling era of Showa, because wrestlers typically don't tear each other's arms off. Um, maybe in like Ricky O or something. I don't know. Um, they typically don't tear each other's arms off. This is about two like monsters trying to like truly decimate each other at each at the expense of their own bodies. Like their mission is a, is above self preservation. The mission is 
destruction of the other ones and you feel that sense and the music so we didn't talk about the music much yeah. recently but the one of the uh, uh, the old time uh, composers came back and um, after kind of stepping away from the series because he, he just felt the series had gotten exploitative of things he loved <clears throat> and you know a lot of it is like you know returning to old themes and you know like horns 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 you know um, which I'm not I'm Godzilla has two incredible themes um, that are very distinct. Um, one of them was sampled in a Pharaoh Monch song. <laughs> um, like very, very notable uh, themes. Um, but he'll also imbue the this movie, and I noticed a lot more in this movie, with these like woeful strings. It's not just about awe and a sense of like uh risen power. It's also about like this is this is something that shouldn't have happened. Like uh, nature should have been left the fuck alone uh, in all cases. We should not have, have started H-bombing -bombing, uh, testing. We should not continually fuck with the environment. We shouldn't have just kept escalating this war of, of science against these creatures. Like, th there's a sense of, of, of sort of um, generational doom in the score yeah. that's so wonderful. <clears throat> and they use a something I don't remember from any of the other Godzilla movies – like sad, horrifying choir music, like Requiem style, like almost like a Verdi Requiem style music uh, of a choir uh, as Godzilla is melting. And it very much feels like, uh, you know, uh, if <laughs> um, like direct inspiration for Evangelion, like the Godzilla silhouette is like turning into this like beam of pure energy. And it's this sad mournful thing as his body just melts down and people are watching in horror as this thing happens. And they're not sure if it's going to consume them too. Um, and he's standing over the body of his dead child or surrogate child. I said junior, whatever. Um, and he Godzilla melts. Godzilla truly dies, and you have a moment to rest in it. And I gotta say, the emotional impact of that moment is ruined by Junior being alive. It feels really brazen and really uh, exploitative to be like, but what if we want to make one more? Like it really well, that really took the impact out of the moment. Like it really it really bummed me out to have Junior alive at the end. Interesting. So I mean, they didn't. May, they, they, I think maybe because I'm looking at it from both what what they were saying at the time, like they didn't make one more. I think it, the movie is uh, too much of a bummer if Junior also just remains dead. And like I get, I would love if at the end of the movie you had people standing around and being like, maybe we can have an era of peace. Maybe we can actually learn our lessons and move into well, the Well, but I, I think like, there's ways to make the ending not a bummer. So I mean, it's like, like, this is a tough position to put you in, but I think if you had seen the other movies featuring Junior, I think, and like, I think the idea of coexisting with, you know, basically in some ways humanity. Like, remember in the, in the first Godzilla movie, Sarazawa is like, "Hey, us killing Godzilla sucks. Like, we are doing like destroying something that we created through our own destruction is is not great." And like, he reluctantly does it because he doesn't want more people to die but like Godzilla Jr. is almost this representative of like 
what if, you know, our destruction and all this stuff, like, created something that, you know, Godzilla Jr. is in no way a destructive force. It is not attacking people. It is not um, trying. It's just an animal. Like and uh, and a and a young animal for most of these movies as well. So I I think I'm not saying you would feel differently, Peter, but I think I don't read it as a what if we want another big Godzilla and this time it's the junior to come back. I see it as like at some point, especially in the Heisei series, this like living with this God Godzilla was was um was not sustainable, like completely unsustainable. Like at some point, something was going to happen. And in this case, like, yep, Godzilla's heart's going to destroy. And he's, a, he's all, his existence is a threat to humanity. Like Junior doesn't have flame breath. It, it's, it's a bigger animal, but it's not Godzilla big. Like it just wants to eat and be left in peace. It's not aggressive. And so like, I think it works for me and doesn't feel like it's taking away from the moment because Really, where the Heisei series goes is like Godzilla is 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 a it's not evil. It's a force of nature that was created through man's hubris, and Junior is the recognition of that without not born in violence, which is why Miki takes up such an interest in making sure that Junior's protected. So it it never re- read to me as like a hey. Still a Godzilla out there somewhere, like the last egg at the end of the Roland Emmerich movie but instead it's like oh like it's kind of sad that this thing that you like Godzilla as an audience is dead but the thing that can still exist without not born out of violence not this destructible voice can or uh uh not this just uh you know destructive force can still exist um and now just like this animal that is closer to the animal we saw in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah can exist. So it, it it works for me. Like it doesn't I actually like it quite a bit. Yeah, I I uh I I don't. Fair. Um it's just it, it, even if it's I mean you could you could have everyone swearing on a, a, a swearing in an affidavit they never wanted to make another Godzilla. I still wouldn't believe they didn't want to make another one. And then separately, let's say I do accept that as a as a fact, um, still, it, in general, undoing sacrifices in these pieces of work uh, is um, just it's 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 never going to sit right with me. Um, undoing people's uh, sacrificial deaths to, um, I don't know, ameliorate the audience or, you know, maybe undo some of the bad that happened. It's just it, it doesn't sit well with me um, at all. Um and uh yeah just uh it, it the, the the final moment is so so the the penultimate moment i should say is so so strong and i still like love this movie like this is this may be like number 3 for me um <laughs> and uh yeah that that kind of takes some of the the power out of that finale i would love if the ending wasn't just like hey there's always godzilla <laughs> cuz effectively he is godzilla he looks a lot more like godzilla than the new godzilla does um <laughs> It, it, instead, it's sort of emotionally for me. It, it just feels it feels cheap. It feels like they're kind of having their cake and eating it too. So um, even if I were to you know give them credit and say like oh they they wanted to let the innocent live like that's the that was the per- the dramatic purpose. Uh, it's it still just doesn't work for me. So yeah yeah. Well, also I don't I don't know Junior that well. It's true. Like I I, I think 
I'm not saying you would change your mind because I know you well enough to go like, well, it'd be also cool if everyone's dead. (laughs) Now humans. (laughs) But I I think the ending would have worked a little better for you if you had – the problem with this movie is that um, if you haven't seen the last two, Junior is nothing until he shows up to get killed. Right, because he's he's gone from the first half of the movie. That's the the fact that he's disappeared is what Miki is trying to investigate. So, um, yeah, so yeah, it's 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 really it's it's um it's really a powerful ending. Regardless, like the strength of Godzilla's death still overpowers that sort of like all right, guys. <laughs> like it's it's not a it's not a fuck you guys. It's a all right. <laughs> I, I think it is like the the problem is is even though Miki is a consistent character, like. The the Heisei series drops in Miki and for the most part is like, we're not going to be too concerned with, like, uh, human drama. Um, like, it actually, you know, it, it, it does good plots around the Godzilla stuff and makes things interesting, but it, it doesn't have, like, an emotional center in most of the movies, you know, you kind of called out Return of Godzilla, I think this is true, is, like, probably the only movie in the Heisei series that tries to have, like, a human drama at its core. Like, yes, obviously the guy's daughter blows up pretty quickly in Godzilla vs. Biolanti, but, like, the the... The movie doesn't spend the rest of the time going and going, like, how does the, how does the death of his daughter affect like this guy it's like oh it affects him because he put the the cells in these plants and now it's a biolanti named like edith whatever <laughs> um like that that's how it affects him he made a he made a biolanti um so i i think with that like there is something about like if godzilla versus Stray ends with godzilla's death and there's nothing like there's not hope in there and miki's entire existence at this point who is our one consistent character is focused on like saving godzilla jr from both godzilla and humans that want to stop godzilla like it really is a bummer of an end <laughs> like it's actually like just a because yes you're right peter there are humans that are celebrating like hey we can go live and be humans without a potential destructive force anymore but we don't know any of those humans that would feel that way. We don't. They're not. They're not given voice. There's not strong characterizations, and instead, it's just Miki looking at a dead body. So I can understand yeah, why that's a bummer. If they had spent more time, though, building up a future for us to be invested sure. in, as opposed to the sort of symbolic future, um, then we we could get there. I think. Sure, it's also but like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they, what they did—they did invest Miki is, in in saving Godzilla Junior as like the core uh, arc of the last three movies. So I, I get why. Also, endings can be optimistic. Operating at the scale, endings can be sort of bittersweet, right? Like, yeah, um, that's that's literally like half of these Marvel movies end on bittersweet endings. Like we've we've saved the world for now like <laughs> like we've we are we lost iron man and we lost captain america but we saved the world like sort of balancing out the the that's how you get people emotionally invested right um so i, I think they made a bittersweet ending it's just i wish they made a different bittersweet ending. fair 
Um, and again, all of the I'm asking all of the movies like, where they is, try to emotionally connect you, whether it would have worked for you or not, to the Miki and Godzilla Jr. bond is basically like it's not present here because she's she's like you know she's running around like going Walt Walt. It's great, great Lost <laughs> reference, which I don't think is a show you've seen, Peter. Yeah, I haven't. Um, but it's very big. Appreciate that you had a good time making it. I did. I hope someone enjoyed it. Yeah. I have one final sure. thought on this movie because I think I've talked up how fucking badass the fights are and how this is mostly a fight movie. Um, when Dr. Sarazala in the first movie talked about unforeseen consequences of the oxygen destroyer, um, I think he was talking about, you know, maybe this could be used for war and destroy people's, you know, uh, water population. So, like, you know, people can't drink their water and they die or it gets dropped on people and all the water in their body dies or, you know, it's it's used to, to in some other capacity um, amongst humanity to, to um, inflict pain and misery. Um, I'm not totally sure when he referenced unforeseen consequences – uh, he meant um, big weird crab guys. Yeah. Oh, he definitely meant that explicitly. It's <laughs> a deleted scene. I forgot the, like, flash, the the flashback that they like, had where they're like, "I hope this stops." He's saying this as he's dying from not having enough oxygen. That's why I'm doing this voice. Uh, it's not a character. Um, I hope none of the crab people get this. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me real sore I hope that I don't accidentally create an environment where while most life dies a certain tiny microbe thrives <laughs> it really does put how much even the movies that are trying to get back to basics right how out of step Every Godzilla sequel, every single one I've seen, maybe Shin Godzilla gets closest, but like literally every Godzilla movie is out of step with the sort of poetic simplicity of the original Godzilla and how like it's not about um, sort of like far flung sci fi. It's about like, okay, what if uh, we awoken something with weapons that is a and how do we use and weapons he, to kill? He it. says much of. He's he's not really a character. He's purely a symbolic thing about unforeseen consequences of nuclear H-bomb testing, which was having at that exact same time unforeseen consequences. And then the series got tossed into this mass entertainment sci-fi blender. And then they could they can never really extricate those sort of like sci-fi spectacle roots from what the original movie was. So it's so funny when they have like moments referencing the original because like in the original, I'm like, yeah, that's like a really touching, very small human moment that the series pretty much never had again as far as I've seen. <laughs> like the series from, from from there on out was like, huh, but what if there's a weird spaceship from from Planet X <laughs> that... <laughs> What if there's a dragon with three heads? Like, what does the dragon represent? A really scary guy. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> like the series can never actually it is like the series in itself is sort of a, a representation of unforeseen consequences because once they open the pandora's box of a movie about a cool lizard guy that represents you know the horrifying the horrifying consequences of, of growth and expansion and military experimentation and, and, and conquest. Um, once we opened that box, uh, we just kept coming up with new crazy tools. Yeah. Um, new crazy science experiments. And then the series itself was like, mm, we opened the box, though. Let's see what's in the box. Yeah, it is. It, it is interesting that like, um, you know, I think two movies especially are notable for their kind of like, like Return of Godzilla and then Godzilla 2000. Although, no, I'm. No, Godzilla 2000. I think, I think even there's only two movies in the series that really just focus on Godzilla, right? Like even the American reboot, uh, and then now that I said it out loud, Godzilla 2000 like has some other creatures that they're fighting, even if they're not like memorably named like other mythic monsters. There's like there's like something that you know Godzilla as a series for the most part. You're right, Peter. It's like. In in thirty plus movies, it's about Godzilla against another force, and there really is only two movies where he just sits with, um, sits sits with Godzilla on on its own. Even I would argue the nineteen ninety eight American remake starts with one big Godzilla and then has a little bunch of little tiny Godzilla. Um, and and I I think that's interesting. I think this is the one that gets closest and maybe cleanest to. If you're going to have Godzilla fight a monster, this is really representative of the the hubris of the of of destru- a destructive force made by man turned into a a uh, a monster that's that's there to kill Godzilla and threaten everyone. And so I, I like this as like a, you know on on paper, Peter. If you hadn't seen all these movies and you just seen the first one, and I told you, hey. 35 years later or 30 years late, 40 years later, they're going to make a sequel where the oxygen destroyer comes back, powered these crab monsters and they kill Godzilla. You'd be like, Oh my God, Aaron, why did you make me do this month? Like, <laughs> like on paper, it sounds fucking stupid. And you're like, they would have run out of ideas. And instead like, yeah, they, they they make it one of the best ones of the series. Like everything about it on paper sounds like it shouldn't work. They make the oxygen destroyer come back. They're killing Godzilla so to not compete with the American version. Like everything about it sounds like, well, this is gonna be dumb. And instead they made one of the best Godzilla movies. And it's um you know, as we say goodbye to the Heisei series, Peter, I do hope at some point when you need a Godzilla kick, you go back and watch the other three. Even though Space Godzilla isn't isn't good, I think um, I think they're just they're, you know it's a seven movie series that's just a ton of fun and has this uh, nice little continuity on its own, uh, which is going to be very different from where we're headed next. Um, we're we're doing uh, the the Millennium series, Peter, notably takes 1954 Godzilla as its starting point for all of them and then makes its own return of Godzilla reboots for all for six of the seven movies. There are two uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and uh, Godzilla Tokyo SOS that uh, 
are effectively form a little trilogy with the original one, but the rest are just like, hey, this is a sequel. What if this was going on? This was, let's say, Godzilla's still a bad guy and Ghidorah's a good guy. Here's one where he comes back and fights a new creature we invented called Megagirius. So, like, it's a uh, it's uh it's Godzilla what if. It basically, yeah. And it and and as such, it has it has um the fun of again, um uh better better facts, better budgets, better ways to do models as technology gets further. But it has less general connection to the series because they're they're just doing these in a vacuum things. And some of them do it well. Um I think Zach called it like the 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 floor is lower on these, but the ceiling is also much lower like they almost exist for the most part within this like three to four star range there's nothing like a destroya or a biolanti or a terror of mecha godzilla that really blows you away for the most part but they're they're pretty solid godzilla action movies um and there's also a, a movie that we're covering that i uh have never seen before by a director i really like ruhei kitamura who i I think i've seen all of his movies except for this godzilla and it's the only godzilla movie i've never seen um godzilla final wars is what we're covering and which you know it feels like oh well you're covering the last one the millennium series yeah but it doesn't really matter because godzilla final wars has no connection to godzilla 2000 the first one that they reboot in these series they're all sequels to uh, Godzilla 1954 separately um, in in their own branches. So we're uh, Godzilla Final Wars we're doing because A is the one I've heard um, is A the only one I haven't seen and I kind of saved it because I knew we were doing um, this. Uh, we'll talk more about it next week. But I you know after the Heisei series I saw Godzilla 2000 in theaters. I thought it was fine. I went to college and I. I just wasn't I wasn't I'm like oh they're releasing more Godzilla movies like it it felt like I had kind of like I loved what I loved and I wasn't the covers of all these were silly they had like very this is not a criticism but it was like they had like you know giant all-out monster attack Godzilla King Ghidorah Mothra like that's a name of one of them and it's like okay well I don't know what this is anymore. Um, and I, I never really picked them up until probably like six or seven years ago. I'm like, hey, I got to watch these other Godzilla movies. Why did I stop watching Godzilla movies? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and But it was a very slow, like I'd watch like one a year. And then uh, I actually, I, I hadn't watched Godzilla Tokyo SOS or Final Wars. I watched Tokyo SOS like a year ago, and I knew that we were doing this at that point because we plan extraordinarily far ahead sometimes. And I'm like, I'm going to save it. So God, Peter and I get to watch one Godzilla movie uh, for the first time that I've never seen. Uh, so yeah, we're doing God, we're doing the Millennium series. We'll talk a little bit about the series as a whole. Uh, it didn't last that long. It's you know it's still seven movies, but over like a five year period. Um, and yeah, we're doing we're doing Godzilla Final Wars, which has everything um, apparently. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. That feels like a fun uh, semi closeout. It's not actually a closeout, but a fun yeah. semi. After that, we're basically to, done. We only have three episodes left. 
<laughs> but a close out to like the retro series, right? Yeah. Like, then we're doing American, well, we're doing uh, Pacific Rim, and we're doing Rewa. So we're we're looking at more of like where Godzilla stands today, what the future of Godzilla could look like. Um, whereas uh, looking at the the previous series, uh, we'll, we're kind of closing the book on that because we're looking yeah. at Godzilla's past, and we're kind of using that to inform what the hell we think of the Godzilla yeah. at present. Yep. So with that, we'll see you next week when we uh, finally actually get do get to talk about the American Godzilla from 1998 a little bit because uh, I guess he's in it for a little bit. Oldzilla is in, in it. Night. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, It wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, (laughs) If you can't, (laughs) uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show show we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on itunes i know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help and so every podcast wants that help so please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically they hopefully want to tune in and listen and thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years uh we really do appreciate you uh with kisses and smooches peter and aaron (laughs)